Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average and auto customers Qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Obviously, the environment and the atmosphere we're going to play in is one of, if not the best in the NFL. I mean, I can't imagine it'll be much louder than our fans were here on Saturday, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be insane. Plenty of booze and middle fingers for us, but uh, we look forward to that type. We look forward to it. We all know it's at stake. We all know it's a big game, but at the same time, you know, I tell everybody all the time, when the, when the lights is bright, we shine brighter. So we just got to do whatever we got to do to um, go in there to uh, get the dub. I mean, we just got less, one less day, so we, ain't, we don't really have a choice but to, but to focus the answer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What you looking for me to say? <laughs> Actually, two less days, Ezekiel Elliott, but who's counting? (laughs) The Cowboys don't seem to care because they understand if you want to have that big spot in Monday night football, wild card round, there's a price to pay on the back end. Sort of like staying up too late because you're hanging out with people like Nolan Ryan and Jerry Jones, Shereen. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to relate with that, but apparently you can. Yeah, happy birthday. Randy Galloway turned 80. Local... uh legend here in the media industry of course he's the guy that jimmy johnson called in speaking of the 49ers and cowboys that jimmy johnson called in back in 1992 and said i think it was 92 i guarantee we're gonna beat the 49ers put it in three inch headlines and of course the cowboys did and and the rest is history how about them cowboys so they won twice under jimmy and that was the last road win mike that the cowboys had had until last week was 92 in san francisco long time ago now, now I, I don't want to just let this moment pass because I'm very fascinated by the experience last night. So Randy Galloway, local legend, turns 80. They have a big shindig yeah. that includes a roast, and you are one of the roasters along with, oh, I don't know, Jerry Jones and Nolan Ryan. That's pretty damn awesome in my book. <laughs> it- It was great. I was on stage, actually, with Nolan Ryan. So I told him the story of the very first baseball game I saw in person was his fifth no-hitter. He said, well, that's a pretty good game to to see with your first game. I said, yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, it was just really, really a cool night. Sonny Dykes was there, TCU legend. Uh, It was just, it was packed. Nate Newton, just some great uh, figures in there that got to roast Randy and uh, turned 80. It's hard to believe he's 80. So I spent a long time traveling to many Cowboys games with Randy Galloway. So local legend here. Well, we're not all that far behind him, grand scheme of things. So uh, we're going to spend two of the hours on our inevitable creep toward 80, if we make it that far, talking about the games to come this weekend. The show, by the way, is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our audience watching the program on Peacock, listening on Sirius XM 85. Friday, the day we're live, Sky Sports NFL. Shireen got extra sleep for the folks in the U.K. and Ireland because she knew we were going to be live. Podcasts, never live, but always available wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
We are going to break down the division around. Plus, there's other news in the NFL. It's still that crazy time where you've got 24 teams into their offseason, plenty of them making whether head coaching changes or coordinator changes and other stuff going on, and you've got eight teams left rocketing toward the two that will make it to the Super Bowl, and we'll know. That's what's weird. Ten days from now, nine days from now, actually, we'll know who the two Super Bowl teams are. Let's get to the game that gets things started. Saturday afternoon in Kansas City. We'll be there. NBC, hour and a half pregame show in advance of kickoff of Jaguars Chiefs. And let's hear from Chris Sims, who made his way to Kansas City to sit down with head coach Andy Reid. They talked about Pat Mahomes' ability to adjust to uh, make crazy plays. And here's part of the conversation that Sims and Reid had. The adjustments he's made to his game this year. I mean, just for a guy, you know, I used to play a little bit and watching it. I mean, or last year there was the, you know, leaving the pocket, maybe too aggressive at times, looking for the big play. Uh, just what you've seen this year, are you a, kind of amazed how he can kind of just flip a switch and then play it by the book maybe more to a degree? Yeah, well, he, he, he's found the uh, value in checkdowns. Mm, so mm. if it's not there, I, I can work to work down. You'd rather have that than a guy that works downed up because right. you're going to get a lot of downs, and yeah. and that it's hard to score in this league. So if you if you can have a guy that's willing to take it from the top down, on his check, you know, and willing to check it down, right. then you can you can normally put some things together there. Well, it's hard to score, but then you guys do snow globe and all this crazy stuff. And again, I know you've talked about this before, but. You know, just kind of talk about the, the jump-off point of as far as how those things materialize, you know, during the season. Yeah, again, th- those come from everybody. They do, really. Yeah, and nobody claims them. That's what's so cool about it. They, they, uh, they'll throw an idea out, and, um, and, and then it'll evolve from there. And it's not to embarrass the other team. We, we, we're doing it to, to, be, to have something different right. in this league uh, that, that you can score with. Sure, I mean, that's, create an advantage. Yeah. Right. And right. so that, that's why we, we do it. And then who's to say something's impossible to do? If you can just kind of think that way mm-hmm. um, within the realm of things, uh, let's try it. I mean, let's, let's try and see what's possible. It is fascinating that Coach Reed empowers his guys to come up with ideas and nobody wants to take credit for it when it goes well. It's obviously no one's going to take credit for it when it goes poorly, but even when it goes well, no one's taking credit for it. The <laughs> one thing that they're holding back, though, specifically the Patrick Mahomes is holding back, Shereen, and he told me about it earlier this year after they went over the Texans, the behind-the-back pass. He told me it is coming. He's been talking about it for multiple years. Now, at some point, he's got to deliver, just like the NFL has to deliver with a franchise in London. You can't say it's coming for 20 years. At some point between zero and 20, it's got to happen. At some point, sooner than later, Mahomes has to do the behind-the-back pass. And who knows? Who knows? If they're up comfortably in this one, since it quite possibly is the last time it'll be at Arrowhead Stadium this year because if the Bills win and the Chiefs win, the next game is in Atlanta, maybe we'll get to witness the behind-the-back pass. Mike, have we ever seen anybody like Patrick Mahomes? Like, I can't think, as long as you and I have watched this game dating back to the 1970s, I just can't remember anybody quite like Patrick Mahomes who could do so many unique things. It's almost like a point guard, I think, in basketball who who does all this stuff, the no-look passes and everything else. But I just can't think of anyone else we've ever seen. To me, he's just so unique in what he does. Special. It's a combination of basketball, baseball, and football. It first was noticed when he started playing in 2018, the funny arm angles. That's all from being a shortstop because there is no form when you're a shortstop. You get the ball, you get it out to the first baseman, ASAFP. So form goes out the window. (laughs) How it all looks goes out the window. It's just, does it work? And he's one of these guys that, because we'll see professional athletes and athletes at lower levels as well, who think they can do more than they actually can. He keenly understands what he can and can't do. And he always colors within the lines of what he's capable of doing. And he's capable of doing a hell of a lot. It's easy to stay within the lines when there's a ton of space 
within the lines, and he can do things that we just have never seen, and we will eventually. And I know Sims and I have been saying this for years, and it drives him crazy because his kid's out there running around trying to throw passes like Patrick Mahomes. There's going to be a generation of kids trying to play that way, and inevitably someone or two or more will bubble up through the ranks of high school, college, and the NFL, and we'll find others who can do this. It can't be Patrick Mahomes is the only individual who ever lived that can do this. He kind of shows the way, like Michael Jordan transformed the way basketball was played, the way it looks, the way people move on a court, the way they attack the basket. I feel like it's just a matter of time before we see more Patrick Mahomes-type players. I hope we do. He can't be the only one because once he's gone, what a letdown that'll be if there isn't another one to come along to take his place. Well, you make a great point about baseball too, Mike, because he did play shortstop. And, of course, his his dad was a baseball player here with the Rangers for many years and in Major League Baseball for many years. But I think kids today, they don't play as many two sports, three sports, and I think that's important. And I think his baseball does help him playing football and that does pay off like you said at shortstop you just got to get the ball out and get it to first base however you have to do that and there are the different arm angles that you use so I think that's important too for these kids to play some other sports and I think it it shows in football when they have played other sports when they have been a point guard when they have played some shortstop and stop and done some other things I do think that translates over and I think it has with Patrick Mahomes Playing three sports, however, I must say, is not the end-all, be-all. I am a product of someone who played three sports, and I played all of them very poorly. So it doesn't, it doesn't help, it didn't help everyone, but it, it, does, it does for certain people with a natural amount of talent. It does maximize in certain areas. I can remember, Shireen, transitioning from basketball season to baseball season and having in my head – I should be dribbling while I'm out running around on a baseball field. I mean, you, you're wired to, to, to <laughs> dribble, especially because it took a lot of effort for me and focus to, you know, bounce the ball. You're, you're out there with your glove and you're like, I should be bouncing something. So anyway, that's, again, one man's very miserable experience. Will it be a miserable experience, though, for the Jaguars? Let's do this. Fill in the blank. And we could, we could be very literal here. The Chiefs will win the game if they, well, score more points than the Jaguars. That's the easy answer. Let's go for something a little deeper. Shereen, you believe the Chiefs will win on Saturday against Jacksonville if they what? If they simply don't beat themselves, Mike. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 4-0 in the divisional round. That hasn't been hard for them to win in the divisional round. They're the better team in this, obviously. I don't think anybody would argue that, not even Jaguars fans. They just can't beat themselves. They can't turn the ball over. They can't make stupid mistakes. They can't give up special teams touchdowns or pick sixes or like the Cowboys did when they played Jacksonville. You just can't beat yourself. And if they don't beat themselves, I just don't know how Jacksonville is going to win this game. I just think they need a lot of help to win this one. If the Chiefs just show up and are themselves coming off a bye week, I think they win this and win this pretty easily. Yeah, and similarly, I'll say if they remain patient. We saw it in the wild card round last year against the Steelers where they were down because I I picked Pittsburgh to win that game every thought I was nuts and the Steelers were up there was a fumble return for a touchdown but they didn't freak out they didn't panic and the Chiefs ultimately obliterated the Steelers as they were supposed to do but then what happened they got impatient late in the first half in the AFC championship against the Bengals they didn't score a touchdown when they should have they left the door open for the Bengals to come back and win the game so they just have to remain patient in all things in all phases of the game if the Jaguars would happen to get a quick touchdown. Don't freak out. Don't feel like your season is flashing before your eyes. We've seen many one seeds over the years. I think under that weight of that pressure of having a great regular season that gave them the coveted one seed, in comes an upstart that catches them with an uppercut when they weren't ready for it. And the next thing you know, they're in a game and they're wondering what the hell's going on. And before you know it, they're out. We've seen it. We know that it's out there. It's capable of occurring. The Chiefs need to be ready for it. They need to weather that. They need to stay patient because at the end of the day, if they can run their offense, they will emerge with, again, to literally answer the question, they will win if they score more points than the Jaguars. Let's flip it around to the Jaguars. The Jaguars will win this game if they watch, Shereen. 
I think if Trevor Lawrence plays an air-free football game and can get the ball down the field, and I think that's something they can do if they protect him. Jacksonville was 10th in passing, and Kansas City is 18th against the pass during the regular season. So if he plays air-free football like he did in the second half of last week's game, I do think they can keep up with the Chiefs. But it's going to be keeping up with the Chiefs, and I do think they're going to have to have some breaks go their way but if he can play some air-free football, they can get the ball down the field. They can score the points. When you get in the red zone, those have got field goals because you're going to have to score, I think, a lot of points in this game to hang with the Chiefs and to beat the Chiefs. But that's the way to do it. And they're going to have to take some chances, be aggressive, go for it on fourth down, maybe do some things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. You're playing with house money. Nobody expects you to win. Nobody expects you to be close. Go out, be free, play free, and maybe they have a chance, Mike. We've, we've seen stranger things happen in this game. My, my answer is similar to yours, but a phrase that I really like that doesn't get used enough. They will win if they throw caution to the wind. I'm still not quite sure what it means to throw caution <laughs> to the wind, but you, you need to be crazy you need to be different you need to be selectively aggressive you need to be willing to do things that that aren't conventional and we know Doug Peterson one of the coaches at the forefront of the analytics revolution going for two unpredictably see the the issue I always have with Brandon Staley he's not unpredictable in going for two he's too predictable you need to be unpredictable and that's what the Jaguars need to do unpredictable things they started the game when they played in the regular season with an onside kick now it would be incredibly unpredictable if they would do it again they're never going to see it coming the second time around right but that's the kind of stuff that they're going to need to do and you need to do it well you can't just be reckless when you throw caution to the wind you better be ready to catch it when it swings back at your face that's going to be the key and you just have to go for it This is an opportunity that comes rarely, especially for the Jaguars. It's been five years since they were in position to play for a berth in the conference championship. No one expected it from them this year. They started three and seven, a stat that I wasn't aware of, hadn't really thought about it. They're the first team to ever win a playoff game after starting the year three and seven. I remember the Washington franchise getting there in Robert Griffin's first season after starting three and seven, I believe. They actually won it. The Jaguars did. The The Washington football team did not win in the wild card round, but the Jaguars did. Down 27 nothing. They got nothing to lose. Nobody expects anything from them. So we'll see if they can get it done. I think they can keep it close, Shireen. And Sims and I have made our selections in the Picks podcast. I was tempted to pick the Jaguars to win just because we've seen it happen too many times with that one seed, the week off, being used against it. We've seen it too many times to not expect it to happen again. But at the end of the day, I picked the Chiefs to win. But I think the Jaguars can cover. What do you think is going to happen? Well, we have seen it before, but we haven't seen it before with the Chiefs. Their problem always has been in the championship game. This is the sixth time that Andy Reid's been the number one seed. And they've never won as a top seed, Mike. But it's been that championship game that's always gotten him and always gotten Mahomes 4-0 in the divisional round. So I don't think they ever look past an opponent. I don't think they will look past the Jaguars this week. I think they'll be ready to play, and and I think they'll take it to them. Again, the Jaguars are going to have to be aggressive and, throw, as you said, throw caution into the wind to try to keep this thing close. And you know what? If it's close in the fourth quarter, you know, they, they have a chance. And that's all you want is to be close in the fourth quarter and have a chance to win it. And I just – think this is a huge step that Trevor Lawrence has taken this season. No matter what happens in this game, playing with house money, they have taken a step with Doug Peterson, and you can see it. This is going to be a good team, a team to contend with over the next few years, Mike. I'm smiling every time you say house money. It's quite the contrast in co-host because yesterday Peter King made it abundantly clear he despises the term playing with house money. So please (laughs) say it, Shireen. As much okay, as you can throughout the course of today's show. All right, let's go to another game where one of the teams is indeed playing with house money. The 
New York Giants going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Another one seed that had a week off. The Giants went to Minnesota, got a big win. They were underdogs, even though a lot of people thought they would emerge victorious. Here is Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the Eagles, on what the team learned from last year's wild card loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I think it's helpful for us to have all um, experienced that together as a team. You know, to have a lot of guys back, like have a, guy, a lot of guys that, you know, like a Jason Kelsey decides to stay um, because he sees something in, you know, what he's played with and the potential of what that could be. So, you know, we have everything in front of us and, you know, we're just taking it day by day, like I said, but there's a ton that we've endured and experienced and have gone through to be here and have this opportunity we have now. So. So it is quite an opportunity, but it comes against a team that knows them well. They played twice this season. The second one doesn't really count to me because it was the Giants' JV squad. They deliberately rested guys week 18 in advance of the wild card win, and it was a smart move. But, Shereen, let's, let's do the same thing. The Eagles will win this game against their arch rivals from up the road in New York slash New Jersey if they what? I think if Jalen Hurts plays like we've seen him play this year, and I don't think we saw that in week 18, you know, he's got to be able to use his legs, and we didn't see some of that. Maybe the shoulder was still bothering him, but he's fully healthy now, Mike. And this is a team that needs to get back to playing like they did with Jalen Hurts uh, when they were so good, when they only lost one game in that stretch. And I just, we haven't seen that really since. Uh, week 15 when he got hurt against the Bears. Maybe even before that. Maybe it was week 14, that first uh, game against the Giants when they won 48-22, when they really looked like themselves when we were talking about the Eagles as the best team in football. It's been a long time, I think, since we've said that. But to see Jalen Hurts, I think, play like he played earlier than in the season when he was an MVP candidate, they get that. They're, again, the favorites in the NFC. I think the Eagles win... And obviously there's many ingredients that go into it. We're overly simplifying it. But one of the things they need to do is properly respect Daniel Jones and Isaiah Hodgins. One of the things that I believe Sims and I were talking about in the Picks podcast, Hodgins is kind of in that mode where opposing defenses, out of a matter of pride slash arrogance, just assume this guy can't keep doing it. We're not going to double team Isaiah Hodgins. He's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Jerry Rice. He's yet to prove himself. Well, he's proving himself one week at a time, and if you don't take him seriously, he's going to prove himself against you. And then Daniel Jones. I saw a quote from Patrick Peterson, the Vikings cornerback. Well, he came out and played like Mike Vick. We didn't expect that. Well, maybe you should have expected it because the guy's been around for a while, hiding in plate sight, showing his running ability. Back at the scene of the spot where he tripped over the five-yard line, the guy can run, the guy can pass. You have to take them seriously. You have to plan for them as if you're planning for Steve Young in his prime because he will do this to you repeatedly. He had 17 carries last week. Peter said he'll definitely have more than four because that's what he had against the Vikings on Christmas Eve. Yeah, he had four times four plus one. That's how many times Daniel Jones ran the ball. You've got to take him seriously. You can't look down your nose at the opponent. We know that happens in the NFL. We know there is an amount of institutional arrogance. Oh, it's just Daniel Jones. Oh, it's just Isaiah Hodges. They better take these guys seriously or they will match them point for point, drive for drive, and put a ton of pressure on the Eagles' offense to match. And we saw that the Vikings ultimately couldn't do it because Dexter Lawrence was a one-man wrecking crew. So take the Giants' offense seriously, not just Saquon Barkley, but everyone else, Shireen. Yeah, and they're going to have to worry about Daniel Jones running too, Mike. I mean, that's a serious concern uh, with him, when you're a defense, the, the Eagles get after the quarterback. They're really good at sacking the quarterback. Led the NFL with 70 sacks this season. They do that really well. But with Daniel Jones, I mean, you, you, you better be careful getting to him and letting him step up and take off because he can do it and he can run uh, a long way, as we know. And he did it all year long. So he, he's, to me, is probably the key for the Giants 
Mike, if he can play like we saw him play, I, I thought he was Dak Prescott was really good. I thought Daniel Jones was the best player we saw in any postseason game last week. He just again, kind of like Trevor Lawrence, I was saying he he's taken that next step. And to me, the Giants uh, have have an interesting. Um, it's not really a dilemma because a dilemma both are bad, but uh, problem an interesting problem to have and and if. Pro- fun problem, frankly, to figure out if he's their guy or not. And I think they're figuring out he's the guy. He can get this done. They can win with Daniel Jones, Mike. And he's shown that all year long. And I thought he really showed it last week. He's their guy, and he's making more and more money every week, and they're going to happily give it to him. And I think he falls into that category of guy. They, You know, we set a narrative on a player early in his career. And we get lazy, and I include myself in that. Some of the times that I criticize the media – I don't include myself. I do include myself in this one. We just want to be able to say, okay, we know who this guy is. Let's move on to somebody else or somebody else. We have to figure out who they are. We know who he is. We're not going to worry about him. We're not going to revisit that. We already have come to a conclusion as to who and what he is. Well, he has become him, as they now like to say. He's getting better and better all the time. And for some folks... You're not going to take him seriously until his fingerprints are on a Lombardi trophy. And then it's like, hmm, Daniel Jones. Well, the Eagles had better be looking at Daniel Jones differently than everyone has. Because if you didn't notice it already, you should have seen it last week against the Vikings. All right, so the Giants will win this game if they what, Shereen? If they figure out how to win in Philly, Mike, it's been a long time. Week 8 of 2013 was the last time the Giants won in Philly. They just can't seem to win there for whatever reason. The last time they won there, Tom Coughlin and Chip Kelly were the head coaches. Eli Manning and Michael Vick were the quarterbacks. So it's just been a really long time since they've figured out the Eagles on the road. Um, so we'll see if they can do it this week. But it's a tough place to play. As we all know, it's going to be a really tough place for them to play this year. They've already lost to the Eagles twice. As you said, that Week 18 game doesn't really matter because they did play their JV in that game. But Week 14, they got spanked pretty good, 48-22. So they've got to figure out the, the Philly matrix, as it were, uh, how to win on the road in Philly. I think they'll win if they can make Jalen Hurts one-dimensional. What makes him so great is he runs and passes well. He keeps you on your heels. When you think he's going to throw it, he runs it. When you think he's going to run it, he throws it. He can do both effectively. Dexter Lawrence, I think, a key to that. And Jason Kelsey, a key. That's a guy that Jalen Hurts mentioned. Kelsey decided to come back for another year. They're going to need Kelsey plus help. I wouldn't dare try to neutralize Dexter Lawrence with only one guy. I don't care who it is. Dexter Lawrence was an incredible When you watch some of the clips of what he did and how he was busting through the Vikings line, it's like they weren't even there. So if the Giants can find a way to take away the run threat from Jalen Hurts, that makes it a lot easier to win. Take away the pass threat. Just disrupt him enough. It it, it reminds me a lot about what happened in Minnesota. You know the Vikings are going to score in the 20s. You've just got to break serve. It's like tennis. You're a big tennis player, Shereen. You've just got to break serve once or twice. And we saw the Giants break serve at the very end of the game. That's the key. That Giants defense doesn't have to dominate. It just needs to supplement an offense that is going to do well enough on its own. It really is amazing how we've seen these Giants, both the Giants and the Jaguars, just mature and get better throughout the course of the season. And that's one of the things that I always say in September. What we see in the first couple of weeks doesn't matter because teams will get worse and teams will get better. Very few stay exactly where they are the first few weeks. And to their credit, the Giants have gotten a lot better. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Two teams that were great last year and are still pretty damn good this year, the Bengals and the Bills get together in the 3 o'clock game on Sunday afternoon, the continuation sort of, although they're starting from scratch, of the Week 17 Monday night game. All the storylines, all the issues, DeMar Hamlin, there's a thought he's going to be at the game. That would be an incredible lift for the city, for the team, for everyone, for everyone watching to see DeMar Hamlin there. But ultimately, they're going to play football. And when they do play football, one of the things got to happen, Shereen, Josh Allen's got to quit making so many mistakes with yep. the ball. Here he is on overcoming his recent turnover plague. Again, I think it's uh, short memory and just trying to move on, be the best quarterback that I can be for the Bills. Um, obviously wanting to make good decisions. And, you know, I think, you know, out of the whole game, I think I made one bad decision. It was the, the deep ball to, to John. And, um, you know, obviously we want to we end the ball or end every possession with the ball in our hands, whether it's a touchdown, um, you know, punting it away or, or kicking a field goal. And that's, that's our mindset that will never change. And, you know, there is a, a thin line between being aggressive and, and um, being a little bit reckless. So, again, just, you know, getting back on the right side of that line and uh, being, being smart but being, not being conservative. And that's fundamentally the difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is always on the right side of aggressive versus reckless. Josh Allen from time to time becomes so intoxicated by his own skills. And for good reason. For good reason. The, The throw that he mentioned, when you watch it, it's an incredible cannon shot. It is classic there's only one guy on the planet can, can throw the ball that way. The only problem is it comes down in the hands of the wrong player. So uh, when you have that high-end skill set, it does become very tempting to utilize it. Look at this throw. Man, I mean, he's flat-footed. Yeah. He just cranks it, but, but you know, to the wrong guy. So that's the key. And I think at times you just you want to make something happen. That's the thing that causes athletes to become reckless. I'm just trying to make something happen, coach. I'm just trying to make something happen. I'm a little frustrated. Things aren't going well. The other team's scoring points. I'm just trying to make something happen. And I think that Josh Allen's turnovers, for the most part, trace to this desire to be the Superman that we've seen him be so many times. Well, Mike, and that's the whole key for the Bills in this game. Nine times this season, they've had multiple turnovers in a game. They've only played mistake-free having no giveaways in three games this year. So that's the key for them. And Josh Allen, over the last three games, he's thrown five interceptions. You just can't do that and expect to win games against good teams. The Dolphins weren't a good team, and they hung with them, and they barely beat the Dolphins. Now, sometimes when I look at these divisional matchups and I think about what the Bengals did last week and sticking close, sometimes those divisional matchups – can go differently, can go sideways because these teams know each other so well. I get that. But they have not really played well in a while because of the turnovers, and they have to play mistake-free against this good Bengals team because if they don't, Mike, this could get out of hand for them. And it's just what you said. You talked about the patience that the Chiefs need to show. It's the same thing with the Bills. They've got to be patient. And Josh Allen can't have that mentality that you're talking about. I'm just trying to make something happen. He's got to say, hey, we got four quarters here. If they're down early, we got four quarters. Let's just don't turn this ball over. Sometimes a punt is not a bad thing. And when you're up 17 nothing, as they were against the Dolphins, you've got to have that killer instinct. We see so many teams come back from these big deficits, in part because the team that establishes the lead kind of eases off a little bit. Keep going, keep pushing, keep doing what you do. No lead is safe, as we've seen time and again this year in the NFL. So the Bills will win this game if they what, Shereen? Well, I think that's just it. If Josh Allen protects the football, to me, that's the whole key. They're going to get an emotional lift if DeMar Hamlin shows up to this game. I do think the home field advantage plays a huge part. I don't think this game should be in Buffalo, but it is in Buffalo. I think that's going to be a huge edge for them. So I think if they come out and don't turn the ball over, they're going to win this game against the Bengals. Yeah, I worry about them being too emotional. 
because they have been off the past couple of games they've played. They've won them both. The Patriots gave them a better fight than I ever dreamed they would. The Dolphins, my God, were ahead in the third quarter. And the, and the Bills had to scratch and claw against Skylar Thompson to pull off that victory. I think the Bills win if they get someone to step up other than Stephon Diggs. It's too much yeah. on him. That's one of the things Sim says all the time. Last year in the divisional round, Gabriel Davis had four touchdown catches. It still wasn't enough to win the game. But they, they took full advantage of all the attention that's paid to Diggs and somebody else has to do something big. Not just, hey, I made one catch on third down or I scored a touchdown. It's got to be somebody stepping up in a big way, whether it's Gabe Davis, whether it's Cole Beasley, whether it's Dawson Knox. How about using Naheem Hines more than 10 times on offense and one touch? We've seen what he can do. Come on, Ken Dorsey, draw up some plays for Naheem Hines. He's earned it. He deserves it. The fans want to see it. He's shown what he can do. I was amazed he only had one touch last week, two targets, 10 plays offensively for Naheem Hines. So, I mean, that's why they got him. They traded Zach Moss for the guy. They traded part of their running back rotation to get Naheem Hines, and they barely use him. So somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got and, – and I think this is what happens, Shereem, to teams that have – a superstar talent like Josh Allen. I think, and I'm oversimplifying it, but that's okay. At least I say it's okay, so it's okay. You get a lot of guys that just kind of wait around for Josh Allen to do something rather than being the ones who step up and do something. Somebody's got to take it on himself to step up and be the other part of the Josh Allen equation. It can't just be Josh Allen doing things alone. Somebody's got to lend a hand and help Josh Allen. Well, that's exactly right, Mike, and it just can't be digs every single time. And they do need a Gabriel Davis or Cole Beasley or whoever it is to step up and make some plays and make some big plays, and and it, it's time for them to do that. And if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, then they're going to have to have that. I, I think, Mike, one thing that's really interesting on the other side of the ball in this game is you go back to that Bills-Chiefs game. And they couldn't get a stop on the Chiefs. They did great because Gabriel, Gabriel Davis played so well. But they said, we have to go out and fix our pass rush. We need one guy to make a difference. They signed Von Miller. He got hurt. Is out for the year. Bengals beat the Chiefs, get to the Super Bowl. They said, well, we couldn't win the Super Bowl because we couldn't protect Joe Burrow. We're going to go out and improve our offensive line. And guess what? They've now had three injuries in their offensive line over the past few weeks. So they're without probably three offensive linemen this week. So you've had things where you tried to fix deficiencies from last season to get you to that next step. The Bills are there right now. The Bengals are a couple games away from that if they can get back to that point. But it ends up that the deficiencies that they had last year are still there. It's the Bills trying to make a stop, and it's the Bengals trying to protect Joe Burrow. And it's kind of a wash the Bills don't have Von it Miller. Is. The Bengals are going to be without multiple offensive linemen, it appears. So let's flip it to the Bengals. The Bengals will win this game if they what, yeah. Shereen? Well, I think that's it, Mike. If they can protect Joe Burrow, I, I do think the Bengals are playing better right now than the Bills are. I was a little disappointed with the way they played last week. I didn't think that was their best effort of the season. And they had kind of been on a roll, and, and I just didn't think they played very, be- very well. But you go back to last season – postseason 19 sacks in in four games uh for joe burrow he had nine against the titans and seven against the rams and and it was just disastrous for them so they go out and they spend 74 million dollars to get those three offensive linemen and improve for 15 games they were there they played great and then alex kappa gets hurt lyle collins gets hurt now jonah williams is hurt so now you're having these second teamers play as your starters, and that's not good. I do think Joe Burrow is better this year than last year at escaping that pressure, at moving around and knowing how to deal with it. But still, if he doesn't have time, then I think it's going to be a different game. If the Bills can get after him, then I I think the Bills are going to win this game. But they've got to protect him, give him at least some time. He's got the weapons. If he has the time, Mike, they're going to score a lot of points in this game. We moved our show-me-something draft from Friday to Thursday this week, if only to allow Peter King to once again say, show-me-something Daniel Jones. 
But in that process, I peg Joe Mixon as the guy who needs to show us all something because he needs to be able to move the chains without 60% of the starting offensive line because that's the way you open up the passing game, specifically play action. If Joe Mixon is getting past the first level and into the second level and gashing the Buffalo defense, that's how you can set up Joe Burrow to have a big day throwing the ball if you're not going to have the kind of protection that you're accustomed to. So that's the key. I think Joe Mixon needs to have a big day. And also, also, let's not overlook the time-honored value in keeping Josh Allen on the sideline. Because the longer he's on the sideline, long sustained drives, he's more inclined maybe to try to do something special over the top, just trying to make a play coach, throwing that beautiful pass 70 yards in the air that gets caught by a member of the other team. The longer he's waiting, the more difficult it will be for him to play within himself. So that's why Joe Mixon, I think, is such a critical part of this game. All right, the last one, the big one. The reunion Last but not between least. the Cowboys and the 49ers. Far from least. This is the one, uh, and you know, one, one, of my, one of my son's conspiracy theories. Gee, imagine that. My son would be prone to NFL-related conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theories. Who would have ever gotten that Jeans. from? But, you know, he thinks, he, thinks he, he thinks they wanted the Giants and the Eagles, <clears> and they wanted the Cowboys and the 49ers, and that's just the way it worked out last week, so they'd get those two games. And he says it half-jokingly, I think. I'm passing it along half-jokingly because he doesn't really buy into it, but you just kind of get that eyebrow raised from time to time, and a lot of people feel that way. Regardless, we got Cowboys 49ers. Here's Micah Parsons on the question of whether or not the Cowboys have faced a team with as many weapons as the 49ers possess. No, but I don't think they face nobody like us yet this year either, so it's really matchup against matchup. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, across the board – you know, like people always talk about what they face and what about what they face, and they thinking how how we gonna stop them. And I think we pretty hard to stop ourselves, so that's what we gotta focus on, not beat ourselves. Well, it kind of reminds me of what the Bengals have been saying. We're not worrying about having to play them; they have to worry about having to play us. And that's easy to say, but still, Shereen, that 49ers offense. With Debo Samuel, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, and Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and an offensive line that buys Brock Purdy enough time to distribute the ball, and how he's managed to play unaffected by being thrust into this machine that just keeps rolling, just keeps winning, just keeps going. I've said for weeks now, as long as they keep that nucleus of key players healthy, no one is going to beat them, including the Dallas Cowboys, even with Micah Parsons and the other great defensive players that they have. Yeah, it's amazing, Mike, because you talked about how the first of the year sometimes doesn't matter, and I think that was the case. You think about all the quarterbacks the 49ers have gone through to get to this point. They lost to the Bears early in the season, and you're thinking, man, this team's horrible. Then they go make the trade for Christian McCaffrey, and now they have all these parts, and you're looking at this team going, how in the world are we going to stop this offense Even with a rookie quarterback, we're not even talking about, hey, rookie quarterbacks have never done this, never done that. He's 6-0. We've just, we've kind of shifted that conversation to this team's so good that it doesn't matter that he's a rookie quarterback. And he's shown that. And he's just been so good with this offense. I don't think he would be this good with the Bears offense or some other offenses in the NFL but he's doing great with this offense, Mike. And so we're not even thinking of him as a rookie quarterback anymore. No, we aren't. And we never really have. Once he showed the ability to hold it together when he was thrust into service in the first quarter of the game against the Dolphins, there were not many questions about Brock Purdy. And you know, last week, a few shaky throws early in the rain against the Seahawks. He settled down and he kept it going. And it's easy to do when it's not all on you, when you don't have to go out and try to win the game with your legs, with your arm, with a big play in a big spot. But he can run. He can throw. He can do a lot. But when you've got that defense especially and those weapons on offense, it becomes a lot easier to get it done and to win football games. So the Cowboys will win this game if they what, Shereen? I think if it's if they get after Brock Purdy and rattle him, we haven't seen him rattled, Mike, and I think that's going to be the key is to get him, hit him, hit him early, hit him often. Um, he, you know, he's been really good at not turning the ball over. 
Um, he's only had, what, two games this year since he's been the starter that he's turned it over in the six games now. So um, to at least two touchdowns in seven consecutive games for him. So you've got to get after him, pressure him. I don't know that we've seen that from anybody they's faced. The Cowboys can do that. The Cowboys have the players who can get to the quarterback, who can sack the quarterback, who can hit the quarterback. And I think that's what it's going to take for them is to really get after him early. I think the Cowboys win if Dak Prescott plays like he did on Monday night. And I know that that was one of the best games of his career, but that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to require to go into Santa Clara and beat this 49ers team. Great, Dak. Hey, you may have wasted the best game of your career on a night when you didn't really need it because they probably would have beaten the Buccaneers easily even if Dak wasn't as spectacular as he was. So we'll see if he can string two together. I hope he does. I hope he does. But that's a tall test against a much better defense than the one that they just faced. And it requires a running game to take some of the heat off the passing game so Dak can do what he's capable of doing. I mean, he had that easy touchdown roll into the end zone on the bootleg because they take the running game seriously and they focus. They went all in on the handoff on the inside and it busted it open for Dak to run around the edge. That's the kind of stuff that you need. A full effort by the offense allowing Dak Prescott to have the game that he had last week. It would also help to make your kicks. Brett Maher was perfect on his kicks Thursday in practice going six for six. Shouldn't he be kicking more than six times? Don't don't you need more than six during practice to wipe away the stench of what happened on Monday night? I would be having him kick and kick and kick and kick. And, Shereen, I said these uh, the other day, and I was 100% serious. He should be at all times kicking amid the deafening roar of his last name being chanted in unison by 70,000 people because I guarantee you that's what he's going to hear on Sunday. Those 49ers fans know. They're smart. They understand. They're going to be inside his head. They're going to be chanting, Maher, Maher. I hope they've subjected him him to that because he's going to be subjected to it on Sunday night. He sure is, Mike, and I think it's going to be important for him to make his kicks this week. It didn't matter last week. And you go back and you think about how many – how few plays decide a game. You think about the – you talked about those touchdowns, two fourth-quarter touchdowns, including the one you alluded to when – Dak did the bootleg around the corner, and there's nobody there except Dalton Schultz to block for him, who had no one to block. Um, so I had two fourth down. <laughs> t- they had two fourth down touchdowns. Tom Brady threw an interception trying to throw the ball away. Uh, and, and you think if those plays had gone differently, this would have been a closer game, and those extra points would have mattered. But as it turned out, they didn't. But in this game, you figure that extra points are going to matter. And field goals, if he has to kick, those are going to matter. So absolutely, he's got to be better than he was in a big part of this game because if you're missing kicks, Mike, in this game, Cowboys aren't going to win this game. Well, no, and when you miss your first four extra points and the game's 24 nothing instead of 25, 6, 7, or 8, what happens? It's a three-score game. Yeah. And I felt like the door remained open for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it wasn't until they scored a touchdown and didn't get the two-point conversion that I thought maybe this is too much to expect the Buccaneers to do. But 8-8-8 eight, eight, and eight is 24. That would have been a huge mess for the Cowboys if they had lost that game simply because Brett Maher couldn't make the extra points. And it is going to be in his head. It's unavoidable. And the 49ers fans are going to do everything they can to be in his head when it's time for him to go kick. So, look, we talked about what – the Cowboys need to do to win. Let's flip it over to the 49ers. They will win this game if they what, Shereen? I think if their defense plays as they've played all season, if Nick Bosa is Nick Bosa, I think we all expect him to be defensive player of the year. He was PFT's pick as defensive player of the year. We know how violent this defense is, how good they are. We've seen it all year long, and we know the record when teams play them the week after they don't win. Um so the team that play, if the Cowboys beat them, they may not win next week, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to beat the 49ers because I think their defense is going to play as good as they've played all season. And if they do, they will win this game. You know, you mentioned Nick Bosa being our defensive player of the year. Not that anybody cares, but we have started a tradition where the coach of the year gets something more than satisfaction, all because Mike Vrabel asked for something. One thing led to another, and we sent him a ham. 
Brian Dayball got a box of cigars. I don't know. Maybe we should be offering something like something of, of what well, I, I got to be careful. You never know what they're going to choose. Could be something that we can't fit into the budget. But you have me feeling guilty that we only give the coach of the year something. Maybe Nick Bosa needs something, too. But you're right. Defensive player of the year. He may get some MVP votes now that it's expanded to five. I may have had him as fifth, frankly, on my one through five uh, list of of MVP candidates. But he's another one. You, You keep these guys healthy. And I said this yesterday, and I don't want to jinx anybody. But it's one thing for them to be healthy when the game starts. they got to be there when the game ends. And the way these guys play, it's particularly relevant to the 49ers. They jump out of bed and run through a wall. They play without hesitation. They have compiled, and it's been a great balance between Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch because I think John Lynch has a knack for finding guys who were wired like he was. And in an age where there's limited tackling to the ground in practice, limited padded practices, you need guys who are at any given moment ready to go. And they have an endless selection of guys who at any given moment are ready to go. The problem is you get injured if you're too ready to go. Sometimes the wall wins. That's the problem. So if they can keep these guys healthy all game long, Nick Bosa keeps going, all game long, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, who's looked spectacular now that he's back in the fold healthy again. It's just going to be too much for the Cowboys. I, I know we want to have yeah. a great game, and it's going to be a huge audience, whatever the final score. It's going to be 40 to 50 million people tuning in Sunday night. Look at what the Cowboys drew on on Monday against the Bucks. I mean, this is a real game. It should be a great game. We want a great game. We want it to come down to the wire I just think the 49ers, if they keep doing what they've done all year, it's going to be very difficult for the Cowboys to keep up with them. So just keep being who you've been, 49ers, and you'll win this game. doesn't matter that it's the Cowboys. doesn't matter who it is. The 49ers, right now, in my view, the best team in the NFL. They keep it together. Yeah. They're going to keep winning and winning and ultimately win their first Super Bowl since 1994. Let's take a break. When we return... Where do things stand right now for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Coach John Harbaugh and GM Eric DaCosta met with the media yesterday. We'll tell you some of what they had to say next here on this Friday edition of PFT Live. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 